Beep boop. Rebooting the lateral show. A sideways look at fantasy football. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen it's, it's the lateral, lateral show. show. Fasten your seatbelts, cause, cause here, here we, we go. go. The Lateral Show, with your hosts, Herms and McLateral. Welcome back into another edition of The Lateral Show, a sideways look at fantasy football and the best fantasy football podcast without any check marks. My name is Herms. You can follow me on Twitter at HermsNFL, and I am joined, as always, by McLateral. Hello. Yeah, I don't think you'll see me getting a check mark anytime soon. It's a free app. I'm not paying $8 a month. I think I'm only going to do it just because I like the whole like, hey, you can read this article without a subscription because you have Twitter blue. And then also the option I have to save myself from tweeting out typos. But yeah, I, I honestly could do without the check mark. That's not why I bought Twitter blue. <laughs> I will say the thing I am loving is just all the people that are going to bite at the fake Adam Schefter or fake Ian Rappaport tweets. Like, I'm so excited for it. Like, yeah. Oh. It's, it's going to be a good time to watch that go down, and it's going to be a good time to watch Week 10 NFL action go down this weekend. And we will be breaking down our Week 10 Sunday storylines that we are looking forward to. Some pretty interesting things. I know I've got something fun to talk about. I'm sure you've got something fun to talk about. So that is what we're doing for the episode today. If you do not already subscribe to the Fantasy Six Pack YouTube channel, Go ahead, find that button, the little rectangle one that says subscribe, click it. It'd be super cool if you did. Also, if you see a thumbs up button like this, kind of like this, click that as well. And also, if you want to get the all access pass to everything available at Fantasy Six Pack, go to fantasysixpack.net slash plans. You get the paywalled part of my waiver wire article on top of all of the DFS tools, access to the discord community and the award-winning rankings found on the site. So fantasy slash plans. Now that I've paid the bills, I suppose we can get into uh, being on our soapboxes. If we have anything to talk about, I'll let you go first. If you have anything. Sorry. All I heard about was like paying for plants or something. Um, I don't know, man. Honestly, the Twitter thing, like kind of the thing is just like, I think it is insane that people are going to pay $8 a month for this. I really do. And I, part of it is because a, now that everyone can pay for it, we're seeing what can happen when anyone can get a check Mark uh, B like ad money is just leaving Twitter in droves, making the value of the services you're like, you're paying for it to get behind paywalls, paywalls. Like that's because of a deal that those news outlets have with Twitter and like that could go away, you know? Yeah. And so it'll be, it'll be very curious to see uh, how it all shakes out. To me, it's like you're paying to get on the Titanic when you already know it's hit the iceberg and is sinking. 
it's definitely a little weird. I think uh, our, our old pal Elon probably should have gone ahead and uh, walked away from the Twitter deal when he had a chance because I think he uh, he fucked around a little too quick and now he is finding out just as fast. So <laughs> well, is, the best uh, part is he knows he couldn't have gotten out of it, which is why he ultimately went through with it. Like he, he, yeah. he agreed to a contract. He like fully agreed to overpay for this thing. And he did overpay. Like he absolutely overpaid. Now he's mm. scrambling to figure out how to, you know, get it working. And uh, I don't know that it will. Well, the good news is comedy is now legal again on Twitter. So we have uh, it, it's not if nothing. <laughs> if nothing yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. They, did you see they got Daniel Radcliffe? No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They They banned his account. Now, I don't know if it was Weird Al perhaps making a joke about parody and whatnot, but the impression I got is that Daniel Radcliffe's account got suspended. Great. There you go. Thanks, Elon. You took away Harry Potter. I mean, what, what are we doing? Yeah, all right. Well, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to go over that as this weird situation continues to unfold. And then uh, just quickly on my soapbox, uh, if you want to skip past maybe 30, 45 seconds, a minute, you know, if you don't want to hear about politics, that's your choice as a viewer, as a listener, and just want to go ahead and forewarn you there. But, uh, dude, shout out all these election deniers and all this bullshit just losing. Like, wow. look, I'm not here to push any of my views or anything on anybody, but when it comes to shit like that, folks, lateral heads, six-packers, that's just some fringe theory stuff that, like, I'm glad for the most part, did not turn out to be super popular. Because, like, if you're out here just believing in some batshit crazy stuff like that, I mean, you really got to you gotta get back in touch with reality. So that was definitely nice to see, for sure. It made yesterday a little bit easier. And then also, great state of Maryland, the flag behind me. We get weed over the summer. Let's go! Hey-o, shout out legalizing of weed in Maryland. Let's go. Unfortunately, all we might get over here is Herschel Walker as a senator. So all I know is I hope that um, Benson Bennett, uh, when he runs for Senate, will maybe have a little more experience uh, in 40 years. I mean, that, I mean, hey. Apparently, if all you got to do is play football at Georgia, like, you know, it's got to be what's next. Sure. I mean, I think Todd Gurley would be fun. You know, I, I could I could see that being more Gurley than Herschel Walker. Yeah. Especially because, well, the worst thing about the Herschel Walker thing is now that it's going to a runoff, like, we already know what his 40 time is. Like, he's definitely going to win that foot race. Like, there's no way Warnock is faster than him. Well, especially so. if he's got to run from his kids. Hey, oh, look at it. Ah, uh, yeah, lateral show here with the jokes, baby. Let's go. Yeah, all right. So now that we've had our uh, lateral political corner, we can pivot to talking about football, the thing Ooh. you're actually here to have us talk about. So before we do that, Look at look at this. Two weeks in a row. I'm remembering. Before we look, get into man, it. <laughs> I said it on our first appearance on anything ever. I am here because no one will pay me to write about public policy. And I stand by that. Look, fair enough. Fair I enough. never told anyone that my goal was to write about football. I've in fact explicitly <laughs> avoided saying that. So just be warned. There you go. Say it, look, peek behind the curtain for those of you who have not been listening to us for a long time. Uh, yeah, so cool, cool. Actually, yeah. yeah, dude, that would be kind of fun to write about. Whatever. Okay, I'm not going to go down that that text rabbit hole. Bad. Writing about text fun. Yeah, you know, also shout out writing about sports. I'm you know comfortable with the job that I have. If, if my boss is, <laughs> like, yeah, not not saying that that's not fun. But before we get into this week's topics, we do have to go over things that we talked about in last week's show, which was. 
the trade deadline review. So, I mean, I'm sure you've got some notes come up with for the fastest minute in fantasy football news. So go ahead tell the listeners what is up with the recap. All right. Well, last week was NFL trade deadline madness. So we had Kansas City getting Kadarius Tony to finally replace Tiger Kill. Tony was quiet in his first week back. Well, in Kansas City, Juju Smith-Schuster and Nicole Hardman were heavily involved. But in theory, there's room to grow for Tony. I mean, they got close to 10 targets uh, each. And then Travis Kelsey also had a huge workload. So, you know, if Tony can take away a little bit. Should be all good. Uh, one guy we don't have to worry about, TJ Hawkinson, moving in division to Minnesota, looked really good for the Vikings, finished tight end in PPR, a uh, 10 and 5 in PPR scoring, second on the Vikings in targets against the Commanders. Um, another NFC North thing, though, Chase Claypool, Chicago Bears wide receiver, one, it appears unlikely. He was involved, six targets, didn't produce much against the Dolphins, and it seems like Mooney is likely to remain the Bears wide receiver one at first glance. Both could ultimately be viable. It's still worth monitoring, but it seems like Mooney is still the main guy in Chicago. Bradley Chubb, meanwhile, going to the Dolphins in our Dolphins portion of the show. Uh, Dolphins DST actually finished DST 5 on the week last week, despite a high-scoring affair. Chubb wasn't really the reason why, but we're still going to claim that, you know, it was, it's an overall win. Yeah. Uh, Chase Edmonds' era in Miami is over. Broncos were on by, though, so nothing to see here until after this week. However, Jeff Wilson Jr. took his place in Miami, and he looked good, like, real good mm-hmm. the offense in rushing attempts rushing guards and rb targets good so if uh you were managed to get him awesome uh calvin ridley betting on jacksonville nothing to see there because because of the betting he's not allowed yeah. to play until next we year got a lot of time <laughs> naheem hines headed to buffalo uh he was pretty silent like tony so again this might be a case of just being new to the offense i would monitor it uh you know seeing hawkinson do well great but not necessarily the norm when you're just making a transition again Ch- bradley chubb Chase Claypool, Naheem Hines, Kadarius Tony, these guys were all pretty quiet in their first week. Though again, Claypool at least got six targets. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach Moss headed to Indy in exchange for Naheem Hines. As expected, Deion Jackson was JT's backup. Moss could always factor in, especially since Deion Jackson had a worrying moment with his knee. Uh, and Jeff Saturday is now the coach uh, for the Colts on Sundays, but expect the death chart to be JT Jackson. And then shrug emoji. Uh, Brandon Cooks not dealt. Cooks was out in week nine. TBD if his role changes, but seems unlikely. And Kareem Hunt stays put. Cleveland was on by last week. So we don't expect Hunt's role to change much, but we don't really know at this point. And that is that. There you go. The fastest minute in fantasy football podcast. Might have cracked a minute on that one, but it'll be okay. It's all good. You still get the air horn anyway. Yeah. Still a W in my book. So there you go. Although I, before we get into the thing that I had planned to talk about for my week 10 Sunday storyline, uh, something you just said prompted me to think about something that I wrote over at Clutch Points over the weekend. And just I'm going to do it on the spot because I actually just have a lot of thoughts about this. Uh, it's a, a bit of a callback to things that I've mentioned multiple times on this show this season just the Colts and how weird it is, like how bad Matt Ryan was and just, but now the ship is continuing to sink further and further and no offense to Sam Ellinger. Like I'm very happy to see a young man get his opportunity and do his thing. But that press conference, the introductory press conference. Yeah. You know what? Let me get on my soapbox. Cause this is actually what bothers. 
fuck Jim Ursay. Fuck the Ursay family. That too. You took this shit from Balmer, and now you're running it into the ground like this. I'm sorry. Jeff Saturday has like been like basically a peewee football coach for a couple of minutes, and now he's running an NFL locker room. Like, are you kidding me? Like, forget about the fact that you looked over two head coaches on that staff, including one with a Super Bowl ring. Like, John Fox is on that staff. You looked over qualified assistants. You avoided interviewing any minorities. And you just, again, you hired your buddy who happened to be in town for the week. He <laughs> literally, he like happened to be in town for the week. And now he's the head coach of an NFL football team. It is disgusting. It should not be allowed. And it wouldn't be allowed, actually, if they didn't put the interim tag on him. If he was an actual head coach, none of this would have been allowed. He would have had to go on through due process, Rooney rule, et cetera, et cetera. Like, this is insane. It, sh- it is baffling. And I, like, almost hope Frank Reich sues for wrongful termination and tries to connect, like, Jim Mersey wanted to bring his buddy Jeff Saturday into the locker room, and that's why Rank got hired. Unfortunately, the Colts weren't that good, so I think Reich is just going to be moving on to the next one here, and who can blame him? So, yeah, that's my soapbox. This is absolute insanity. Yeah, you know, and it's to kind of go off of that, like so you've addressed the concerns of Jeff Saturday, but what like what really worried me was like it was one passing comment that I found, but to quote myself from an article that I wrote about this, um Jim Ursay euphemistically uh asked the question to a reporter, uh, do you know how many shots Michael Jordan has missed? In defense of GM Chris Ballard. And mind you, <laughs> this guy like so as far as i'm concerned he's like schrodinger's gm like is he good is he bad like you there are so many different it's a weird way of ever figuring out the legitimate answer to that but as far as him being like a jordan-esque executive yeah not so much he has not been able to find a long-term solution at quarterback since andrew luck up and left and i know it was only 2019 that that happened but like that's still enough time to do something there buster by and the way it feels like it has been like 10 years since that happened oh my god yeah dude, it's crazy how time flies like that and then since taking over as the colts gm in 2017 the franchise has only made three first round picks so you think about like is he good at drafting some of these defensive players and finding value there sure but like when your biggest deficiencies are your inability to replenish with high shelf first round capital and not finding a quarterback under the age of 60 that is well past (laughs) their prime like i don't understand what they're doing so like i i worry about this even for the remainder of this season because like with saturday coming in i saw the offensive assistant that's being promoted to play calling is has never called a play before by the way he's he has no clue what he's doing and he's almost like our age (laughs) he's he's pretty new i think he was like a quality control guy yeah, it's like assistant. QB I think he's like like just that, yeah. gotten promoted from quality control to something assistant level, and now mm-hmm. he's like going to be calling the plays. And it's just yeah. like you're going to have two people who have never called plays calling the plays. Yeah, like, this is insane. Um, like, the other thing I heard with the Ballard thing, though, is like the expectation was that Philip Rivers was going to be there for years. I'm like, if that was your expectation, then that is an indictment on you as a GM. Because I don't think anyone thought Philip Rivers was going to last for years. Yeah. 
Like, do you, and the only way the whole Michael Jordan analogy makes sense is if we're talking about Michael Jordan's tenure as an executive with oh, the Wizards. Wizards, because I mean, in you that never case, know. <laughs> I mean, the Ursa family is quite familiar with the DMV. Maybe that's what they're referring to. Exactly. So what would Chris Ballard's Kwame Brown then be? I think that's really the question. I don't, but <laughs> you know, but I mean, sort of Carson Wentz. I, yeah, I guess that's true. At any rate, as, as far as just like bringing it to pick, you can't really botch them, right? Like, yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's, it's it's frustrating as hell, but at, at least as far as the remainder of this year goes, I mean, like we were we had already talked about it being kind of like panic time for like Michael Pittman a little bit because it's just like I mean, Allen, there's the quarterback, like whatever. It's panic time for that entire offense. I want to play nobody from that offense except for maybe the running backs. And honestly, that's kind of a maybe. Like, and ultimately, you'll probably have to play Jonathan Taylor, though we'll kind of get into that a little later in this episode. Um, you know, it's going to be tough to find better flexes than Deion Jackson if Deion Jackson is playing in lieu of Taylor. But, like, yeah. I wouldn't expect, like, world-breaking results from either of them. All right. yeah, well, you know, and look, if you've got that teed up for later in the show, I will table my thought about that because that will be a fun conversation. But all in all, I just know... Uh, two things. One, the Colts. Why? Just why? And then two, if after this season, Omar Khan in his, you know, general manager's office, wherever it is in Pittsburgh, better be picking up that damn phone as soon as he hangs up firing Matt Canada <laughs> and saying, hey, Frank, what you doing, buddy? Because look, Frank Reich has a good track record of developing your at least aiding in the development of some pretty good young quarterbacks like I don't know, man. I'd be really thrilled to see it. And whether he comes to Pittsburgh or not, that is going to be something when we talk about the coaching carousel and all those changes that come down, you know, months from now and whenever that podcast inevitably drops, whoever gets Reich, look, we could say whatever we want about his head coaching record, which again, mind you, after everything we just said about Chris Ballard, who knows how big of a fault that is, you know, for him, you know, but like, even if he goes back down to OC ranks, that's immediately one of the best offensive minds in football going to help somebody out. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he'll make it to the off season though. So might be needing to fire my, Matt Canda a little quicker. Well, so here, well, our off season starts as soon as Week 18 is over. So we we're gonna <laughs> it'll be around the right time. <laughs> you know, we don't have to. <laughs> we, <sighs> moving we on. A, we get a head. Yes, we get a head start on that, and we get a head start about looking at the playoffs. That's the big thing that I did want to talk about real quick. I kind of dabbled about it behind the paywall, uh, the waiver article this week, but just to kind of you know reiterate a couple things. I am of the mindset that. Um, at least when it comes to quarterback and defense and special teams, if you've been streaming that all year, like if you're, if you're not somebody that has Lamar Jackson and the Eagles defense, for example, as your QB and DST combo, and you're just like really piecing it together, have two of each on your team. I really believe in that strategy because even though from like a kind of like a, I don't know, basic game theory standpoint or like from an analytical standpoint of just like, well, you're minimizing your upside, blah, blah, blah. Whatever, you're also like minimizing the risk of hemorrhaging points if like your onesie position guys that you've been streaming the whole time have been kind of meh. So I pulled up a couple defenses that I would definitely suggest to people with good schedules. But then I also just want to point out, kind of like I said about the QB thing, you know, like if you're going to stream between two guys and play the matchups, make sure at least one of them is somebody with mobility. 
Now, I haven't checked the numbers since waivers ran, but I'm talking Marcus Mariota, a Daniel Jones, a something like that, because even if they implode, they're going to run enough to the point where it's not going to necessarily sink your ship in the playoffs. That's kind of my thing. But before I before I bring up the defenses or whatever, like, what do you think about that strategy for redraft managers if, you know, you're making it to this point? I definitely like going with mobility at quarterback. I just, I think I have some question marks, particularly about Mariota. So like Daniel Jones had like a little bit of an injury issue, but he seems to have gotten past that pretty quickly. Um, but Mariota, like he's throwing like 12 times a game. Like it, it's, it's bad. So like I have concerns that his rushing floor almost isn't good enough. Um, but I definitely get the logic and I definitely get the logic of having multiple quarterbacks as you make a playoff push. So that way you're not completely like submarine by an injury. Yeah. Cause like between that and then also like my big argument, other than the whole, you know, minimizing, you know, risk of hemorrhaging points, if something goes awry, you don't have to worry about that stuff. If you proactively add those onesie position guys now, because you can narrow your focus on the two positions that really matter the most in redraft for the most part, being running back and wide receiver. Like, I think, you know, and like, yes, you're taking away, you know, two bench spots. So that's another part of the argument against this. But my thing is, well, you've made it this far. You probably have a pretty good team. It's not like you're going to be taking shots on maybe this guy pops off once we get into double digit weeks, because for the most part, guys that are going to pop off without injury, you know, to open up a spot ahead of them, I've already done so. You know, so taking these shots on guys in week three that it's like, oh, maybe he'll get more involved. It's like, well, I think we know if somebody's going to get a little more involved by now. So like that would definitely be my other part of it, too, is like you don't like the purpose of your bench is different once you hit the playoffs. It's not like it is early in the season. Yep, I definitely I definitely get where you're coming from there Yeah, with the the Mariota thing again. Like my one concern is like mm-hmm. um, last week he had 12 completions. Uh, week seven he had eight week four he had seven it's just like normally like your rushing floor should be such an asset and with him his passing ceiling is just such a liability that it's like almost too difficult to like Mm -hmm. advocate for taking him but i have at one point this season i mean you know after three weeks he looked interesting yeah um but you know, if they're really going to have, I mean, he had back-to-back weeks with 13 and a half passing attempts on average in those two weeks. I mean, that's, that's bad. That's like unheard of bad. It's not great, Bob, but, but to your point, one of those weeks where he had 14 passing attempts he finishes the QB five and, yeah. you know, he rushed for 50 yards. He rushed for a touchdown. That's a big part of it. Yeah. And if you're looking for an option that maybe doesn't have the legs, another name that I came across when, uh, you know, looking this stuff up, and I know this is going to make you very happy, uh, handsome Jimmy GQ, Jimmy Garoppolo himself, because honestly, look, I I got it pulled up here, week 14 through 17, Tampa, Seattle, the Commanders, and the Lowly Raiders, who also just straight up released Jonathan Abram, which I, I don't understand. He's a good safety, but that's a whole other thing. It's boring. But guys like that, pretty safe options. Look at that offense that he's in. Look at who he's giving the ball to. Like, I'm just, I'm just, Jimmy Garoppolo's not a bad, not a bad playoff option if you're thinking about it. 
So I guess the one thing I'll say on that front is I'm typically not pro Jimmy Garoppolo in fantasy. Love the man as an NFL quarterback. However, since <laughs> week five, so prior to week five, he had zero games with 30 passing attempts. Mm-hmm. He had none in week one because Trey Lance was the starter. He had 21 in week two. He had 29 in week three and 27 in week four. Since then, he's had 30, 41, 37, and admittedly 25 against the Rams, but in that game only had four incompletions. So pretty good. Yeah. Um, And since week five, his weekly finishes have been QB9, 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 and QB14. So there is kind of something there. And he has a lot of offensive weapons. Um, And from that week five to week eight period, he was the QB8 overall, averaging 18 points per game. My main concern with him is that ultimately that QB14 finish is going to be more the norm than the QB9 finish. And QB9 might be around where his ceiling is just because he doesn't run the ball at all. But if you're looking for safety, I almost weirdly prefer him to Marcus Mariota, even though Mariota over that same period was actually the QB5, had more points. But it's just like Mariota is such a low-volume passer that like I'm hesitant to pin my hopes to such an anemic offense. I'd almost rather take the Niners like more high octane offense with multiple offensive weapons. Yeah. So there you go. You know, just like it's the patented Herm strategy that I've shared on this show all the time. I take the under oath approach. Sometimes you're only out there to chase safety. And when it comes to the playoffs, it's, you know, pretty important to do that. And then just for what it's worth, in my opinion, the real move is somehow trade for Trevor Lawrence. But that's a whole separate argument. Actually, oh look, I mean, we've we've you we've, might even be able to pick him up in some leagues, but like Trevor Lawrence, week six QB four, week seven QB seven, week nine QB twelve, and you know I think these sophomore QBs are starting to come into their own a bit. Like, you know, week seventeen playoffs at Houston. Yeah, dude. So it's like from fourteen through seventeen, you know that whole stretch there: Tennessee, Dallas, the Jets, and Houston, like. Gets week, not, Detroit week 13. Yeah. And like, it's yeah. not like a cakewalk per se, but yes. it's also not difficult. You know what I mean? Like, it's not absurdly difficult to the point where, you know, you're going to be kicking yourself if something goes wrong there. Yeah, it's not quite as nice as week 16, Washington, week 17, Las Vegas for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, right. But yeah, I, you know, these are the type of guys you would definitely want to have like in your, uh, in your bench depth. Yeah. And then to shout out a couple DSTs, because I do really firmly believe in pairing DNT, uh, DSTs and trying to play the matchups. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs get the Denver Broncos twice. Yes, they do. <laughs> so week 14 through 17, it is Denver, Houston, Seattle, and Denver. So look, folks. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, I think they're going to have a pretty fun time with that. And then for as banged up as this Chargers defense is, they do end the year with Miami week 14, which you don't love, but then 15, 16, and 17 is Tennessee, the Colts, and the lowly, lowly Rams that they share that stadium with. So, and look, there's a decent chance, like, you know, maybe the Titans fall out of it and, you know, put Tannehill on ice and we keep seeing Malik Willis or something. Like, there's a decent chance 
it could be a really good matchup back-to-back weeks for them. If nothing, at minimum, you are getting the Chiefs preying on Sam Ellinger as part of the fantasy playoffs. So, no, I definitely like agree with that call. As you know, in our dynasty uh, league, I, yeah. I picked up the Chiefs yeah, because yeah. I'm just like, okay, that's a solid, that's a solid schedule. Um, the other one I want to point out, uh, if you see me looking down, I promise it's like because I'm looking at some notes here. Um, so not like an amazing one, but this week the Titans get Denver. They get Jacksonville in week 14. And while Trevor Lawrence has been doing a bit better, he has been throwing away some picks. So it's still a viable opponent. Uh, and they get Houston in week 16. So that's something like to kind of maybe keep an eye on. But the real one, which I managed to pick up in one league, the New York Giants, who just came off a bye. So there's a chance that because waivers run, you missed out on it. But if they're out there, I am intrigued by them. They get Houston, Detroit, Dallas, Washington, Eagles, Washington, Minnesota, and week 17, Indy. Like that is a pretty good run of games. If you could pair them up with someone else, I think you'd be pretty set for the fantasy playoff run. I mean, look. There you go. Dude, I'm really glad that we talk about stuff like this because I never hear stuff like this too much on other fantasy podcasts. Like well, people can't handle playing with a DST. Yeah, it's like it's batting kickers. Yeah. And like it, we do our best. We do our best to serve as many people as possible. That's what it's all By about way, here at the lateral show. Speaking of kickers, Nick Folk is going to go on by this week, and most people can't afford to roster two kickers. I know I'm in that boat. You should be looking to Nick Folk. Just pick him up if you have some ability to do so yeah. this week. And if not, make him like a top waiver claim. Like he will be good the rest of the season. This guy already has three finishes as the number one kicker in fantasy. Like, yeah, you want some Nick Folk. And if not Nick Folk, I mean, like, look, folks, for some reason, he's available just constantly whenever I, you know, check places and stuff, you know, cause I mean, I had to drop him for his bye week but you know, immediately scooped up again, Cade York of the Cleveland Browns. I mean, like, I got him uh, in a lot of places this week. Yeah, dude. Like his availability in like Yahoo and sleeper or whatever, or uh, Yahoo and ESPN. It's just like, he's out there in so many leagues. Like, bro, I think he's like the kicker 11 on the year, dude. <laughs> like, yep. you know, so, I mean, come on. And come he's on, honestly people. even doing a little bit better in terms of points per game. Exactly. Um, dude. Shout out that young man. Kicker 10 in terms of points per game. The one of the guys he's behind is Matthew Wright, who was in relief uh, for Harrison Bucker for two weeks. So really kind of kicker nine. Not too bad. Not too bad. Well, there you go. So you got some bonus kicker content here from the lateral show. What we did. Uh, So uh, what have you got planned? So I think uh, to... So we sort of thought of this show as like kind of examining like what storyline we're thinking of going into a certain week. And so with Odell Beckham coming back, I really started to think about injuries. And originally, this is we need to rethink about how we evaluate injuries. And then I was like, that sort of implies that I have a solution here for you that will totally change how you think about injuries. And I just don't have that. I'm going to be honest, because it's a very difficult (laughs) thing. And I think that's why we need to think 
about how we evaluate injuries because it's very difficult for people to do even the best even the ones who are doctors like there's constantly changing things improvements in medicine improvements in treatment these guys are in better shape than athletes have ever been but so i just wanted to go through like a couple common serious injuries that come up so i didn't really deal a lot with shoulder anything like that collarbone etc um so the ones that I have here are ACL, ankle, foot, uh, Achilles, and turf toe. And I actually added turf toe then because of Traylon Burks coming back. So I thought that merited a quick conversation. Um, concussions, another one that I didn't throw in here just because concussions are concussions. If you get them, assume they're going to be out for a week and then you kind of monitor from there. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to start with the Achilles. So the Achilles is typically a six to 12 month recovery time. And if we look at some recent ones, Cam Akers took six months, hasn't really been the same since. James Robinson took eight months. And while he seems largely the same, if you actually look, his yards after contact and his broken tackles have actually taken a step back. So it does look like he's lost a little bit of explosiveness. So it's just like, if I've got someone, I think, on the closer side to six to eight months in that recovery window, I don't know that I'm going to trust them the same as if I've got someone that's in that eight to 12 month range on the recovery window. Because it seems like it really does take some time. Because, I mean, we look at Dante Foreman. Dante Foreman looks as good as he ever has been. But granted, it's been a couple of years since his Achilles injury. I think like so three. I, yeah. Yeah. Like, Though admittedly, last year also looked good. Even though he didn't get like a full yeah, yeah. run out, he actually he did look good last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you have anything to add on that front. If not, I will move on to ACL. Just a quick shout out to Deontay Foreman because I mean, even coming into the NFL, like when he was playing at Texas, like I'm pretty sure he had like a few records while he was there. Yeah, like, he, he was good under the radar, dude. But like he's been a guy the whole t- like that's why I think like I was a little pessimistic about how good he'd be at first, but then like I thought back to like who he was coming into the NFL, and I was like, oh yeah, we all really liked him. <laughs> we thought he was going to get the opportunity. So just fun memory lane moments with me on uh, Deontay Foreman. So there you go. <laughs> but yeah, and again, not that yards per attempt is everything. We know it isn't. But like since coming back from that Achilles tear, so he misses pretty much all of 2018, misses all of 2019. 2020, he comes back for Tennessee, 4.3 yards per carry, 4.3 yards per carry for Tennessee the following year, 4.9 yards per carry for Carolina so far this season. That's actually better than the 4.2 yards per carry he was getting in Houston before he tore the Achilles. Yeah. Obviously I'm not leaping to the conclusion that Donta Foreman tearing his Achilles made him a better running back because that would be absurd. But there is something that shows here. Like he took like almost two years off from football and he hasn't lost a step. So I think it's just something to think about. Like, Yes, it was really cool to see Cam Akers come back so quickly. I don't think it's actually been good for his football career. No, it hasn't, and it hasn't been good for that Rams offense. Like, honestly, dude, and we talked about it plenty, you know, like, outside of Cooper Cup, man, like, I don't really care for anybody on this team. And frankly, if Kyron Williams doesn't work out and he doesn't hit and, like, t- turn the run game into something valuable, I'm done. <laughs> 
I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try yeah. anymore. I explicitly put so like just you know to preview what the paywall portion of my waiver article is like. You know, like I list like five or six of like the top priority guys, and then I just go position. You know, in with, with like like a little bulleted list. You know, so specifically in the running back uh, list that I put for this week's, nobody from the Los Angeles. <laughs> Because it's like, like cool. If you already stash Kyron, they're like, whatever. You already do it. But like, I've seen Hendo get dropped. I've seen like some people maybe still get like weirdly invested in like Ronnie Rivers. Shout out Fresno State. But like, it's it, bro. I'm not, like, I'm not biting on the Ronnie Rivers thing. I think Daryl Henderson was less healthy than we were led to believe last week, and I I think that's why Rivers got the run out. Yeah. So it's like, dude, just pff, God. I hope Cam Akers figures something out and like gets back to a former version of himself. Cause even though I was always skeptical about how high people were on him in fantasy, as far as real life goes, like he was a really fun player that I liked watching a lot. You know, like it, it is a shame. It is. A shame. He's noticeably worse than he was like, mm-hmm. you know, whether you thought he'd ultimately succeed or not, like he's noticeably worse. It's it's, it's dude. It's crazy. It makes me so sad. It makes me yeah. so sad. All right, moving on to ACL. So ACL yes. typically takes eight to 12 months, uh, generally nine months. So we got a couple different versions of this to deal with this season. So Odell Beckham Jr. actually at the nine-month mark. So I really thought going into this season, we wouldn't get Odell Beckham until the beginning of the playoffs. Uh, and we're admittedly closer to that than you'd think. Like that's going to be the beginning of January. We're almost in the middle of November. Does not seem like a team is going to sign him this week. Then it might take him a week to get going. So we really could be looking at around Thanksgiving. So only a month before the playoffs start. So not crazy, but he actually, he bounced back a little quicker than I expected. Um, especially when you compare him to guys like Jamison Williams, who is currently on month 11 of his rehab and it's expected to take 12 we talked about the possibility that he'll just get ice for his entire rookie season, which I think mm-hmm. is still not impossible though. After that division win against the Packers, hey. maybe tanking <laughs> isn't in the lion's future. Who knows? Um, and, but then you got guys like uh, Chris Godwin just took him eight months and he looks like he hasn't missed a step. Like whatever his issues are besides, I don't think the ACL tear really has anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Like, it hasn't seemed to like that offense is a mess, but he seemed fine. He's been like Tom Brady's leading target at times, you know? So, uh, but then you look at JK Dobbins, like JK Dobbins took 12 months to recover basically. And he's now back on IR already. He's like re aggravated. So yeah. I, I think this is one that we'll have to be like really monitoring. Cause JK looked a little off actually in some videos leading in to the start of the season. So the guys we got to keep an eye on for next year so far, Javante Williams and Brees Hall. I think Javante Williams with this timeline we're looking at should be good to go. Mm-hmm. I feel very good about that one. We'll obviously have to see how his training camp goes, etc. But provided he has a decent recovery, he's going to be right in the nice part of that window. Uh, I think Brees Hall might be a little more complicated. You know, I think depending on your league, so like we're in a keeper league for our home league, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to keep him just because I think when, when he gets back, it will be worth it to have him on the team. I think he will immediately go back to being that team's leading running back and one of the better running backs in the league. But he might miss the first couple of weeks, especially because I don't think this Jets team is going to be rushing him back. 
So yeah. that is one that I think I will be monitoring the most because of the two, I think he's the most likely to miss some time to begin next season. Yeah, you know, and like the other complicating part about his situation too is, it, if I remember correctly, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker also had a season-ending injury. Like the really talented, mm-hmm. you know, offensive lineman, you know, blocking in front of him. You know, like I had talked a plenty about how much I thought of the Jets offensive line that they managed to string together in the offseason and for a while there it was starting to really work out but you know like so when you couple like that with the fact that worrying about you know running worrying about the running back themselves then like yeah that they all I know is they need him bad they really need him bad dude because like well, hopefully they get him and Makai Becton because Makai Becton's someone who's also been dealing with some right. injury issues on that O-line. Um, Imagine. I, I think he's played a total of 48 snaps since his rookie season ended. Yeah, it's it's not great. Imagine how good this team was with better injury luck and had they done the smart thing and drafted Justin Fields. Yeah, <laughs> This team would that team with Justin Fields would be something to watch for sure. Uh, okay, well, let's move on then to the anchor. Actually, just curious, Odell Beckham Jr., do you think he is someone that people need to be looking to adding on to their rosters? I'm sure a lot of people did on waivers this week. I definitely yeah. saw some movement. What are your expectations? I mean, you know, I included him in the waiver portion, the free part. Because it was just one of those things that I was like, look, man, like it's an odd circumstance, but it benefits him in so many ways. Like above all, the number one one being like he can go wherever he wants. You know, it's not like this is one of those things where, you know, there's like an offseason bidding war and it's going to come down to money or whatever, because he's only playing like part of the season anyway. He's going to sign a long term deal somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like we know well we don't know exactly where he's going well we know we he know won't be going to the browns yeah <laughs> that's and, about it that's true <laughs> like we we know that he will go somewhere good he'll so go like, somewhere to contend for sure yeah so like he'll immediately walk into a good offense just because what motivation does he have to go anywhere besides a good offense? And like, I think the number that I put, and if I'm wrong, uh, the correct number is in the article on the website. So whatever, but I think it was from like week 10 through 17 last year when he was on the, uh, the Rams after, you know, his falling out with the Browns it was a wide receiver, 27 overall in PPR during that time. So it's just like, you know, yes, he's coming back from an ACL and like, yes, wide receiver 27 isn't like world beating or anything, but like, if that's kind of like around the minimum that we're talking, like a, a wide receiver three or something like a wide, a solid talented wide receiver three for free out on the waiver wire is not something that's gifted to you at this time of year always. So like, yeah, dude, like it, it's OBJ, man. It's OBJ. He's good. Yeah, there were definitely a couple bad weeks on the Rams last season, but he did finish wide receiver nine in PPR in week 12 against the Packers, wide receiver 11 week 14 against the Cardinals, um, wide receiver 30 week 16, wide receiver 21 week 17. So there's definitely still flashes. There's definitely still something in the tank. He's 30 years old, which is interesting. I don't think that uh, it's going to be quite so... I don't think it's going to quite matter so much this year, but I think it will make me hesitant on him going into next year. You know, even yeah. when he does sign that long-term deal, because um, I don't know how long-term that deal should be. But 
Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think it depends who you have to give up to get him. But he's definitely someone I think that could have impact as the season comes to a close. Yeah, bro. Like, look, and he he was good enough last year that he made me shut up because I was one of those people that was just like, it's not the Browns holding him back. He's just not as good anymore. Blah, 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 blah. Then he just like immediately went to the Rams and was super good. And I was like, all right, Odell. Yep, I'm wrong. <laughs> I, think I think it's a little bit of both. I think he has taken a bit of a step back. But uh, yeah, the Browns were a real problem for him, for sure. Yeah. That was definitely uh, that was definitely an L, you know. So yeah. I'm I'm sure I've tweeted it before too. So fantasy receipts, do your thing, uh, you know, I guess. Well, hopefully like, it wasn't an ank L because that's the next ah! injury we're talking about. Uh-huh. Uh, so ankle, ankle's a tricky one. I think it's coming up more and more. I definitely feel like I had not known the term high ankle sprain to the degree which I do now when I first started playing fantasy football. Um, so high ankle sprains are four to six weeks of recovery. Uh, broken ankle is six to eight weeks of recovery. And then a severe high ankle sprain can take up to six months of recovery time. So like, this is an injury you don't want to mess around with. And unfortunately we have a lot of guys right now where you have to mess around with it. Now, one of the weird ones who I included in here because he seems fine. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones ankle injury in week four, I think got tagged with a high ankle sprain. He literally hasn't missed any time. He rushed for 107 yards in week seven. So I just thought that was like interesting to mention because I think it's sort of a red herring. I don't know, misdiagnosis maybe or what, but like he seems to have been fine. Meanwhile, we got some guys who are decidedly not so fine. So Jonathan Taylor, who we talked about earlier, ankle sprain, but a high ankle sprain was apparently ruled out, but still he's missed two games since week five. He's maybe a touch less explosive. So he had nine broken tackles prior to getting the ankle sprain. He's had just one since. And while that's not like a surefire mark of explosivity, it is a small sample size. To me, that does indicate something. Like he was getting at least a broken tackle a game. He actually had a game where he had zero broken tackles. Now, again, this happens to anyone. I'm not saying like, you know, break glass in case of emergency, smash that panic button. But I think there's an argument to be made that he is definitely still dealing with this nagging injury, as we saw with the fact that he didn't play last week. You know, so I don't know, like if he plays this week, I'm not expecting a clean bill of health, especially because like I'm treating this as a re-aggravation. So if it's a re-aggravation, it's not a high ankle sprain. Like, you know, he's maybe got a couple more weeks before he's fully healthy. And if they throw him back in there, it could prolong that time. Um, And we'll get back to him a little more because I know you wanted to say some things on him. Uh, Other guys to pay attention to, Mike Williams, Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver, high ankle sprain in week seven, expected to miss four weeks. It was three weeks ago. As we said, high ankle sprains four to six weeks. So that would be on the quicker side of the recovery time. So I'd be a little hesitant on him throwing him right in there the first week if he does come back that quickly. If he comes back in like five weeks, then it might be like, okay, you know, it's Mike Williams. They're going to target him. They gave it like an extra week of caution. But if he really does come back in four weeks, I think I'm going to be a little bit hesitant. Uh, David Njoku is another one that is just like – he had a high ankle sprain in week seven as well. He keeps saying that he can like play any week. And I just don't believe it. I much more believe the team where it was like, it's going to be two to five weeks out though. I don't quite believe that two number. 
I am not playing David Njoku his first week back until it hits that five week mark. Yeah. I'm just not. And like, even though listeners are not going to hear this on the day that we're recording it or whatever, like, you know, he didn't practice Wednesday. I assume by the time you hear this, he isn't practiced again. So, I mean, at least early, you know, showings on like his availability are trending in the right direction as far as managing his health, <laughs> you know? So that, no, dude, I, course, I need him so bad in the couple there's, leagues. There's, there's no <laughs> guarantee that those with Harrison Bryant will get any relief as he got literally no work None. with David and Joku out. None. Um truly baffling to be honest. Because he he was the he won the award, the yeah, yeah. the, the yeah, Mackey Award. A, yeah, he was a talented tight and they've used him annoyingly when they've had Njoku and Hooper. Yeah. And like they're just now just like, nah, we're good. Yeah. It's I like I think kind of the reason that popped in my mind was just like well, A, you mentioned his name, but then just I I remembered just very quickly about how many people like the number is smaller, but there's still people out there like this that are just like huge Harrison Bryant, uh, Her- well, Harrison Bryant truther. I said his name right. Yeah. Harrison Bryant truthers. Um, and like, I hope he gets a chance to maybe do something somewhere else. Like, I do understand that mentality, but like. I'm not even mentioning this to clown anybody. It's just that, like whenever he gets the opportunity and then just like falls short, like just seeing how sad that makes that little cohort, <laughs> just like it hurts me. I'm like poor Harrison Bryant. Like why again, can't like, he just do something? <laughs> like, he's been healthy the week before yeah. he got two targets the week before he got four targets. He got six targets in week four and then he's got the time to shine. He literally doesn't get a single target. It it's kind of so like sad. the AJ Dillon thing where it's just like, it's not like the guy's doing nothing when you throw the ball to him or when you hand the ball, like just give him some work. It's okay. (sighs) Anyway, Jonathan Taylor, your thoughts go. I, I believe I talked about it on this show. I think it was this show, but it might've been so whatever. Not the point. I'm not going to be stunned if they put JT on ice. Like, let's just like I'll take it a step further. They should put JT on ice. Well, yeah, they should. But as as a matter of will, they won't. We don't know. But like, you know, everything we talked about earlier in the show. Luckily, we have experienced football mind just Saturday on the case. Yeah, yeah, it's like I think I saw like a joking tweet or whatever about how like Ursay only like hired Jeff Saturday because it was like he's been quoted as saying, you know, it's just like I've touched Peyton Manning's butt more than whatever, you you know. Just from or have had don't Peyton think Manning. that's a qualification for head <laughs> yeah. coaching or yeah so but hey you know it's just like yeah that guy you know but like with everything we talked about earlier and that uh it's just, there's no real reason to put him at risk like I understand that like it'll be the um sorry I was looking through Twitter for something. Uh, and with the whole Twitter verification thing, you know how there's like the fake accounts. Uh, so someone created a fake OJ Simpson account with a Twitter verification and just says, yeah, not going to lie. I did that shit. Oh. <laughs> it's like right, right at the top of my timeline. So uh, I'm, I'm sorry. No, I just, I couldn't hold that one in. You're good. Dude. Oh man. I, uh-huh. There have been some good ones. There have been some good ones. That's definitely up there. Um, but like, shit where was i right yeah like what motivation do they really have dude like they're not gonna win (laughs) like he's only okay yeah that's where i was 
last year is his last year on his rookie deal. You know, yep. like, so, you know, it's not like you're protecting a long-term investment per se, but if you think you can be good next year and you choose not to extend him for whatever reason, because that's not really a conversation worth having like now, but like, that's still one more year of cheap production that you can get out of him. So like, that's why when you mentioned Dion Jackson in that kind of like under the radar thing, we did like two episodes ago. It was like, yeah, it, it's been a couple. Yeah, like, dude, like, you know, and like maybe Zach Moss has something to do with it. Probably not. I'm not, you know, I'm floating this out there merely yeah. for like dynasty heads that, you know, maybe he's still out there, you know, post trade. But as far as redraft people, like, yeah, don't fucking worry about that. But like, yeah, Deion Jackson, like, I really do believe that it, it's going to be him the rest of the way. There's, yeah, just, there's it no very point. Well could be. Uh, all right. So, foot. Specifically, also the Liz Frank injury. Yes. So foot, two to four weeks for a moderate foot, soft tissue injury, six to eight weeks for injuries needing a cast or splint. And Liz Frank can take up to three to four months. Now, if you fully recover from a Liz Frank, you can be good to go. Travis Etienne missed all of 2021 with a Liz Frank. He's looked great in 2022. No issues. Rashad Bateman, we have seen when you have a foot injury and you don't, like actually let it heal it goes from being a nagging thing where he misses two games so he's now got a liz frank and he's out for the season which brings me to hollywood brown now i had hollywood brown on a roster i have him on a couple rosters actually and one i'm holding him because i've got a very deep bench and one i'm holding him because i've got an ir spot but i have to say after like looking into this i am not confident he's going to play again this season now, they said it would take about six weeks. Yeah. I just told you three months. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference in there. Like, and again, like, neither of us are doctors. But, Correct. like, my understanding so of the what... The advice here is not to drop Hollywood Brown if you have him. At this point, if you've still held on to him, you should continue holding on until it is literally like your playoff life on the line. Yeah, it's the only viable move you have. Yeah. But like, I bring it up just because like, and again, like just preface it, neither of us are doctors. So like, if I'm wrong. I don't even play one on TV. There, there you go. There we go. See, which reminds me, we should definitely find a way to get Matt LeBlanc on the show because it would oh, be fun be to talk to talk to a guy who played a guy who played a doctor on TV on TV. Maybe for next season, we do an injury roundup and we have Matt LeBlanc as Dr. Uh, Drake Ramore. Oh, my Lord. Okay. All right. Look, Mm-mm. there we go. That's why they pay us the big bucks. Exactly. Putting it out there into existence. Um, Like, so, yeah, again, if I'm wrong about this, like whatever, like any the medical people like in the comments on the video or whatever, like at me on Twitter, like fine. Like, honestly, if we'd I'm actually wrong, love it because we'd love to know more about this subject. It, like genuinely, if I'm wrong, like this is a great teaching opportunity, but like you can come back fast from it. But the reason the recovery time is longer is because, like, it's recommended you don't come back sooner rather than later because the re-injury rate Rate is is incredibly high. Sure. So, like, I get why Hollywood could come back ASAP Fergie, but, like, there's no point in him doing that because what's... 
what do they have to gain? Like, let's be like, look, the entire NFC South that's not the Niners are trending in a downward direction. Although, well, now the Seahawks are kind of, you know, coasting. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm know. actually, as a Niners fan, I am more worried about the Seahawks than clearly anyone else. Yeah. So it's like, like your season's not really going anywhere. You know, it's another lost year of Cliff Kingsbury just doing boneheaded shit because he can't evolve his offense. And, you know, well, coupled with some injury stuff or whatever, I'm not going to put it squarely on him. That would be unfair. But like, fuck it. Like, they, I'm pretty sure they signed him to an extension, too. It's like, this is a long term thing, bro. Like, what? Well, not yeah. only that, but we saw with Rashad Bateman, which was only a couple weeks later. Just done. Yeah. Immediately. Like, as soon as they knew it was a Liz Frank, his season was over. Because it took him so long after that initial foot surgery to come and make his debut in, like, last year. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. Last year might have been groin. Can't remember, though. I think it was a foot thing. It might have been been a groin thing. Well, he might have had groin in season and then, like, foot beforehand. So... You know, feel free to hit us in the uh, in the comments yeah, the com- again. Yeah. If we're wrong about things, please. <laughs> but like for me, the the just immediacy of like Liz Frank Bateman done, Liz Frank Etn done, Liz Frank Hollywood Brown. Yeah, maybe he'll come back in a couple weeks. It's something just doesn't add up there. It's weird. It's weird. And then speaking. I, I Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. If you still got something Liz yes. Frank related, let's do that now. I before do. We get because, into the last topic because I found like we're all spooked by this injury when it comes to like draft season and stuff, you know, but the players that we've been spooked about that are like super far away from when the injury occurred are have largely been fine yeah. But the guys that are like on the shorter end of the timeline. Like that's when you get dicey. So just like as a reminder to people. That's why you missed out on Debo Samuel last year. That's why you missed out on Travis Etienne this year. That's why people missed out on, I think, like Chris Carson in the past. You know, it's just like... Yeah, yeah so I will it, say, if Hollywood Brown gets to appropriately rehab his injury, I will have no concerns going into next year. Yeah. Like, the, it matters when you got hurt and how far along you are in that process. Cause even though we were talking about like, yes, the re-injury rate is high. Anecdotal evidence that I have off the top of the dome suggests if the man is far enough removed and he's a talented enough player, go ahead, draft him. It's going to be a good time. I, that's why I have so much ETN because I was just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to yep. get, I'm not going to have the Debo rug pulled out from under me again. Or like, I'm, I'm learning. Well, not only that, but it was like, <laughs> I wasn't worried about the Liz Frank with ETN. And then I was worried about the Achilles with Robinson. So it just seemed like a, you know, a nice little twofer there. Um, yeah. All right. Last one. Wasn't originally in the plans, but Traylon Burks just came off IR. Yes. <laughs> okay. Had a turf toe injury. So here's the breakdown on turf toe. You got grade one, may heal partially or even fully within a week. You got the grade two, which could take as much as two weeks to resolve. And then you got the grade three, which you'd think, based on everything I've just said, would take three weeks to resolve. But no, no, no. It's two to six months, motherfuckers. It's a a long time. That's why Burks went on IR. But here's the thing. If we assume he had a grade three injury because he already spent so long on IR, it doesn't feel like it can be fully healed yet. Remember Antonio Gibson? Yeah. R- remember Philip Lindsay that one yeah. year? Like, yeah, like 
Because it was the game against, well, I don't remember the Lindsay one as much, but I do remember it happened. But like the last the Denver one, year, the second to last Denver year, I think. Yeah. He had a couple yeah. weeks where it was like a real problem. Yeah. But like the Gibson one, I remember specifically just because it happened during a Steelers game. So, I mean, obviously I'm watching, you know, well, I mean, I, I watch all the games. Shout out NFL Red Zone. You know, I watch. But, but just in terms, you know, whatever. Against my favorite team, I saw how far that toe bent, and it's like, oh, like I've had that happen to me before, just like working manual labor jobs. Like, yeah, like that shit's serious. And it just like it never it was never good after that. It was it was bad. It was just very bad. Like, you know, because like people like hear turf toe and they're just like, oh, it sounds like athlete's foot or something, you know, it's just like oh like itchy or some shit. It's like, no, like if like if I'm remembering what the injury is correctly, like it's like hyper extending the fuck out of your out of like your toes, or at least like most notably like the big toe, you know, like that that shit hurts, bro. <laughs> like that shit hurts. Yeah, real so bad. Lind- Lindsay was September of 2020. Okay, so yeah, like man, like, it took him you- a couple weeks. Yeah. Like, because people out there, like, if you haven't experienced that injury, bro, because, like, I'm sure, like, in your soccer and or rugby time, you probably did it at least once, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Not good. <laughs> not good, Yeah, dude. My, my, my bigger thing was one time I uh, had a LCL sprain in my knee. I think that's oh, what Lord. It, so that one was fun. Um, that's the inside one, think, right? I yeah, I don't think I ever let that one properly heal either, so, you know. Always a lovely time. So yeah, so I would just say like with Traylon Burks, um, if you want to stash him, that's fine. You know what your bench is like. I wouldn't play him this week. You know, neither would there's I. A, there's a real chance it doesn't end well. Don't don't put your fantasy hopes on that chance. The best thing that has come out of the Traylon Burks injury and also just like weird functionality of the Titans' offense. Like his dynasty value is really good right now. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's pretty, pretty good. Now I think the sa- savvy dynasty players out there are already aware of this stuff. So it's like, if you're in a super sharp league, like you're not going to pull a fast one on yeah. anybody. Like, so like, don't hear what I'm like. I'm not assuming that everybody, cause I know not a lot of people are going to think like that, but like the thing that really makes me feel good about his future um, like while I was on shift, at, you know, clutch points doing the whole like news ready thing. Like there was a, a thing that came across the, uh, you know, the, the news board that we work off of. Um, it was a quote from Mike Vrabel talking about was, the real Mike Vrabel. So this, this was pre <laughs> the pre the last couple days. So this was definitely a real quote, but it was like, yeah, like after the chiefs game, like whatever. And just it, something to the effect of like talking about Malik Willis and like the lack of throwing or like the poor throwing or whatever the fuck. And he was like, who, who is he even going to throw the ball to? Like, I'm kind of like paraphrasing, which I'm, sure, which I'm sure Nick Westbrook, Ahine must've loved. Yeah. You know, so like, and I'm paraphrasing it a little bit, but like it, it was, it was basically that. Yeah. And I was just like, this man knows the receivers are not good. So like whatever incentive they had after spending a first round pick to, you know, integrate Burks, which is already very high, is like now even greater because he's looking at like the coach is looking yeah. at it and being like, oh boy, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know. So if if there's a if there's a window, dude, like like we agree, rest of this season, I'm probably not really thinking that much about it, but like long term, bro, man, because like even like rookie drafts that happen like later in the summer, like his ADP fell. 
And like you, you could get him in like the second round of rookie drafts after that point, like with the asthma struggles or whatever in camp. It's probably even lower now. Yeah. You know? Like, dude, invest in Traylon Burks. I am 100% down with that. Even though Malik Willis makes Kenny Pickett look like, you know, I don't know, Peyton Manning. But, you know, other than that, you know, <laughs> like, not bad. All right. Well, I, that is all I've got. I think that is uh, the show. I know uh, this week you had a hard out. I had a hard in. Luckily, nobody had a hard on because, you know, we're on camera now. But, there we go. There's, oh, well, actually, that, that, that definitely warrants. Yeah. It's too good not to. Definitely had to include those air horns there. Thank you. For tuning in to another edition of The Lateral Show, a sideways look at fantasy football and the best fantasy podcast without check marks in the world. My name is Herms. You can follow me on Twitter at HermsNFL. Find some of my written work here. Find some of my other stuff other places. If you want to listen to uh, I don't know, that was a stapler? Uh, wedding ring. Oh, no, no, there you go. Very off on that guest. Anyway, good, 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 good old ADD, like fidgeting with the wedding ring. Just hey. dropped it right onto the mechanical keyboard. <laughs> nice. <laughs> happens to the best of us. But yeah, you know, if you want to listen to a really good show about college football, I produced the Football Guys College Football Show. You can go ahead and listen to that. You know, Debbie, all that stuff too. And then uh, Associate NFL Editor over at ClutchPoints.com. If you want to read some of my musings about the league, including more scathing things that I maybe end up saying about Chris Ballard in the future, you can find it on that website. So that's what I got. And I know you've got all sorts of fun stuff that you have to let the people know. Yes. Uh, yeets and greets people seasons, yeetings tis the yeezen, the yeezen of the seat. No, <laughs> tis the season of the yeet <laughs> with everyone's Twitter accounts getting yeeted into the wilderness, but you can find me at the following. You can find me at McLateral theft for all my fancy football stuff. You can find me at Mac McMillan ATL for all my other stuff. You can find me at not McLateral FF for uh, maybe some other things. And you can find me at real Donald Musk for my parody tweets uh, where I impersonate a hybrid love child of Donald Trump and Elon Musk. It's a good time. Um, <laughs> that's really about all I got. Uh, the one other thing I'll say is so apparently there's a platform called Mastodon, which is kind of like this Twitter alternative is building at Herms, you will know where I'm going with this. Yeah. And so at my work, where we write about all this tech stuff over at Tom's Guide, you should go check it out, just like you should go check out the Heat Check every week at Fantasy Six Pack. Uh, we were doing an explainer on Mastodon, and I was very disappointed to find out it was not an explainer about the Atlanta metal band Mastodon. I'm like, what is this tech app? I thought we were going to be talking about Blood and Thunder. Dude, Mastodon slaps, man. Mastodon this, does slap. And oh they are from Atlanta and it is awesome. I was at Shaky Knees last year and like garbage, just like literally in the middle of like in between one of their songs. She was just like, oh shit, it's the dudes from Mastodon. And I'm just like, yeah, that's awesome. Oh man, dude. Hell yeah. Shout out Mastodon. Shout out Mastodon. Shout out the listeners and viewers of the lateral show, you six packers out there. And until next time. Uh, I don't know. I just, I'm just amused about the <laughs> Donald. People have told me it's a beautiful Tesla. Wonderful. Never seen a car. It's good. Absolutely wonderful. That rocket ship. How oh, beautiful. Very beautiful. Beep, boop. Follow the lateral on Twitter at the lateral FF. Beep, boop.